Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Aaron Rodgers is back with the Green Bay Packers. The NBA is drafting its teams for 2021 and 22. And the MLB trade deadline has not disappointed with some drama and some movement the day before it ends. And hey, our friends over at the Olympics ain't doing too shabby in some events either, which we've been cheering about each night ton going on in sports. A ton. That's why we do this show. And we count our blessings because we remember when there was no sports. And let's keep our fingers crossed that that doesn't come about again. We can get into what's currently happening. What's on everyone's mind. Although no one knows when we're recording this on a Thursday night. Really doesn't make no difference what we start with. But the NBA draft kicked off tonight. Went a little chalky in the beginning, but we're more concerned about what happened outside of the lottery because our Los Angeles Lakers, who I believe we're going to draft 22nd in the first round, said, nay, nay, take our pick, take Montrez Harrell, take KCP, take Kyle Kuzma, and give us Russell Westbrook from the Washington Wizards, 2021's Russell Westbrook. Let's just clarify where we are in Russell Westbrook's career. But there's a party as a Lakers fan that's a little jazzed up, a little excited to bring somebody like that in. This is before we see what happens on the court. There's most likely going to be some games where you shake your head and say a lot of expletives, but the name Russell Westbrook joining LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's got to get you at least a little bit excited, right? It is a massive sports day this Thursday, my friend John Lund. The six foot seven inch portion of this program, the big portion of this program, the new report portion of this program. The old report is incredibly exciting because it is your basic quadruple header day it's mlb trade deadline it's nba draft and laker blockbuster it's nfl with aaron Rodgers, and it's the 20 slash 21 olympic games from tokyo all rolling on this thursday night everywhere you look a plethora plethora whatever you prefer you choose you pick plenty to watch plenty to get pumped up about and if you're a laker fan Why not be fired up? Mr. Triple-Double is coming home. What did you give up? Well, you gave up a guy who helped you win a title in Caldwell Pope. Gritty, gutty, excellent defender, 
good three-point shooter, good, not great complimentary player. You gave up a bench piece in Kyle Kuzma. Young, signed, disappointing. Awful in the playoffs. Awful in the short series against Phoenix. Still looking to find his way. Hopefully, for the Wizards, he'll do so in Washington. And Montrezl Harrell, off to a great start. The guy who we thought would be that energizer bunny. That guy who, when they signed him, I said to Frank Isola, Brian Scalabrini, this is the guy the Lakers never have. This is the guy who gets two, three offensive rebounds. You can say, why can't we box him out? This is the guy who gets the missed free throw rebounds on the offensive end. This is the guy who gets everybody fired up. This is the guy who makes your bench better because he comes in and he kicks ass. He got off to a really good start as a Laker. And then as the season evolved, his playing time seemed to get reduced. Well, he's not a very good defender. He can't play. I don't want to play center. I just wanted him to do what he did for the Clippers. And as time went on, he did less and less of that. Supposedly fell out of favor with the Laker coaches. Why, I don't know. Did not play that much. Was effective sometimes when he played, not so effective other times. Signed for a relatively modest 9.7 with an opt-out slash opt-in. The question was in the postseason after the Lakers' early exit, in which he was not much of a factor. What would Montrezl Harold do? Would he opt in? Would he opt out? To make this true happen, he had to opt in because you took his 9.7, you took Pope's 13.5, you took Kuzma's, I think, about 16, added to the first-round picks, I guess, uh, first-round money, you get about what Russ is going to be making. So that has happened. Russ comes home. What will he do for the Lakers? He will let LeBron and AD rest. He will let LeBron play off the ball. He will let LeBron spend a little more time on the bench. He will not air in any way, shape, or form aid their three-point shooting ailments in any way, shape, or form. He will not cure that. They still must add shooters. However, it looks like Horton Tucker, who is a restricted free agent, will in all probability be back because they've given up two quasi-shooters in Kuzma and the aforementioned Caldwell Pope. And you need Tucker because you need some complimentary offensive pieces. Uh, he is young, 20, 21 years of age. He is very highly thought of. And they have his rights. So no matter what anybody else offers, they can keep him. Look for him to be in the starting backcourt with Russ. That leaves a front court of LeBron, a D, and a huge question mark at the center position. Huge question mark. Marcus All is still under contract. What will happen there on the one year remaining on his deal? Will they buy him out? Do they go look to the big man who helped them win a championship, former Superman, Dwight Howard, and bring back the muscle? What will they do to fill that center slot? Because you know, we know, AD, everyone knows, does not like to play a full season at center. So that is a question mark. The bench, what remains? Caruso, he's a free agent. I'd be shocked if he did not come back. Who else can come off that bench? Well, they still have other free agents. Do you bring back 
whichever Morris twin we have. I'm still not sure which one it is. Do you bring back? And he had a, a relatively disappointing season. He had his moments, but you thought West Manuers, Matthews Sr. Uh, Jr. would bring you more. West Matthews Sr. <laughs> West Matthews Sr., folks, is part of the old report. He was at Wisconsin when AWP was at Syracuse. Uh, so West Matthews, and part of the 1980 uh, Laker team. Uh, West Matthews Jr., relatively disappointing season. He said he wanted to come back. So the question now that the Lakers have acquired this third superstar, uh, this Troika, what will Rob Polenka do to put the complementary pieces around them and most notably center and shooters, center and complementary three-point shooters? They were working on a Buddy Heald deal that obviously has fallen by the wayside. I wasn't crazy about Buddy Heald. I don't think he's a championship player. I don't think he plays any defense. Uh, we know Russ has great playoff experience. We know Russ has gone to the finals. So I don't love, I really like this deal for the Lakers because you know what you're going to get from Russ. You're going to get the hardest working man in the league. No right. about that. So that is a big improvement, a big addition, certainly as another scorer. Doesn't add a shooter, adds a score. Now where will they go? for some shooters. But my question to you is, is this, we all talk about copycat, NFL, NBA. What won the title this year? What won the title last year? The Lakers, the Bucks. What did both of those teams have over their opponents? Size and strength. Yep. Is size coming back in the NBA? Is size, once again, starting to matter? Is Are we going to see, not a total abandonment, but the move away from three-point domination, which we saw in the finals? We did not see either team have massive games from three. Nobody's taking 43-point shots in the finals. Are we going to have a, for lack of a better term, return to normalcy in the NBA? Are we going to have some old report basketball where the ball goes into the paint, where you attack the tin, where you shoot mid-range jump shots and you shoot threes off of triple penetration and ball rotation and transition, but not pull up from 35 with the logo and chalk? Not dribble, 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 chuck, kick out your legs, fall down, and hope for a three-point three point foul and, and, and free throws. Not anymore. Are we, Not are next we year, Al. see, for lack of a better term, real NBA basketball. Old report style. It's a big win for the old report, having that part of the game, that flopping into the defender, trying to get the foul, gone next year. So there you go. There's one step closer to getting the big men back in the game. And, hey, the Lakers would welcome that with open arms. Just take a look up in the rafters about how that's worked for them over the past several decades. Not one, not two, not three, four. Come on over. Counter. Four. Mikan, Wilt, Kareem, Shaq. Andrew, 
Bynum. Oh, sorry. That was Paul, that was Paul Gasol's team. My fault. Andrew Bynum, by the way, one of the largest rings. humans that's ever walked past me in Earth. Got rings. Had a chance to be a great player. Man, had a big. world of potential. World of, and a lot of talent. Saw him in Philly, and he was having one of his cars transported back home because he's from around there. I don't know how he was going to get into the thing. It was like a matchbox car standing next to him. Like, that's really his? Huh? Put it in the garage. All we know for the Lakers is fingers crossed that it doesn't end up being like it has been last year where you're trying to bring in players, and it's the bottom of the barrel guys because you waited too long to bring anybody good in. Not this scraps. year. Not this year. This year, before the draft even started, let's cook. We're already on the front. As you mentioned, we need shooters. No question about that, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's one thing you could say. You were 100% right, and it's no surprise. He's not going to help the three-point shooting woes of the Los Angeles Lakers. But the guys they're getting rid of, I mean, Montrez Harrell looked nice on paper when he came in. Now he absolutely hates the Lakers as an organization because they didn't play him enough from what he said. KCP eh, didn't really show up in the finals last year when they or two years ago and they won the championship and he was brought in to shoot. And if you're not very good at shooting, if you're hitting the side of the backboard on your corner threes, might be time to go down the road. But in his defense, he was a good, solid contributor on that championship. Run, he was quiet, championship quietly team. very good. You're right. And, and he gave you what you needed in the finals. We talked about who is the third guy going to be for the Lakers. It doesn't have to be one guy. It's just got to be some guy. And there was a couple nights in those finals where KCP was their third guy, and he was an excellent defender. He's an excellent defensive player. It's not going to be, it's not heartbreaking that he's gone, but he did have his. You got to give up something. You got to give up something to get something. You have to. In my mind, what did the Lakers give up? To me, the biggest piece here that they gave up is KCP. Not Kyle Kuzma, 33rd in franchise scoring history. Kyle Kuzma, just behind Rick Fox, LeBron James, Eddie Jones. And who would have thought Andrew Bynum would get not one but two mentions in this week's show? 4,206 points. We pour one out for Kyle Kuzma and his Surprised he had that many. Bye-bye, Kyle. Of all the people that they kept, I shouldn't say of all the people, the person that they kept from the, I don't even know what you want to call it, the exile when LeBron came over and all the young guys were gone, that was what remained and... Right. Eh, not anymore. Not anymore. Fresh start with the Lakers. For the NBA draft, I'm not going to be breaking down players for y'all. If you'd like that, you could go elsewhere. All I can tell you is I watched the first pick, and Kendrick Perkins compared Cade Cunningham to LeBron James for the skill set that he'll bring to the NBA. Only, only Kendrick Perkins could LeBron James, Al. Cade Cunningham, did you see that in Cade Cunningham when he was playing for Oklahoma State? I'm not sure I did, but I'm not getting paid the big bucks like Kendrick Perkins is, but they love these comparisons. I think he compared Evan Mobley to Bill Russell. What are we doing? Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. 
He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now, to the National Football League, because nothing circles the wagons quite like the NFL, and I know our listeners clamor each week to hear what the latest is over there in the NFL. We're not talking vaccine stupidity, which is starting to actually calm down a little bit. Kirk Cousins, I believe, came out and said he got the vaccine, and the only reason he did was because of the new rules and sanctions that the NFL is going to put forth if you don't get it. Good. Which means it's working. Perfect. This is exactly what we wanted to happen. So we're in the right track with that. But Aaron Rodgers was back in the news, and it turns out that for – the past several months when Aaron Rodgers has been a talking point has really just been a hey thanks to sports media, especially sports radio, because it's given sports talk hosts something to talk about day in and day out. Where would Aaron Rodgers wind up? When push comes to shove, who comes strolling into the Packers facility when it's time to show up? Aaron Rodgers still got the Long vacationed hair, but he held his press conference, said what he wanted to say, everything very calculated as we know, shouted out the fans, shouted out his teammates, still gave a little dig here and there to the organization. You could clearly tell he thinks that they're assholes. But the Packers get their wish. Aaron Rodgers gets one Last dance, as people are calling it for some reason. He gets Randall Cobb coming back at wide receiver like it's 2014. And Packers fans, I guess, should be happy to have their future Hall of Fame quarterback back, regardless if it means you'll probably get knocked out in the second round because he can't score more than three touchdowns in the postseason. But what did you make of the return? I shouldn't even say the return. He just showed up to work. Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay, at least for one more year. First of all, not surprised because I never thought he was going anywhere. But the question I had posed is what does Aaron Rodgers want? What is he looking for? We know he wasn't a happy camper. Uh, He's a bit of a strange bird. He is unique and extraordinary. He's very bright. He's very dry. At times, he's a diva. And he's entitled because he is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. In my top 10, absolutely. Ready to move into my top five. But no, beaten by Tampa at home to go to that third Super Bowl that would have put him in the top five. Had the Sharpie ready for it last year. You and me both. We had to put it away. Back in the drawer. But, but could not could not pull it off. And as a result, he stays outside the top five for me. But I had said what I thought this was was a power play. I thought this was a Kofaxian, Drysdalian, 1966, look them up, hold out. When before free agency, the greatest pitcher I ever saw and his buddy, who was also a Hall of Famer, Don Drysdale, and Sandy Koufax, held out together after they won the World Series in 65. 
And to set up the 66 season, they wanted raises. They didn't get what they wanted, so they held out. Together. Finally, they came into camp when they got raises and went back to the World Series and got swept four straight by the Baltimore Orioles and Triple Crown winner Frank Robinson, Sandy Koufax's last year. By the way, he only went 27-9 and nine that year, I believe, if you look it up. I think I'm correct. Won another Cy Young, so the Dodgers certainly have plenty of bang for their buck. I thought this was a Aaron Rodgers and his star wide receiver, Mr. Adams, power play. He comes back, reworks the contract, gives the Packers more room to manipulate the cap and redo their star wide receiver's contract, which only helps Aaron Rodgers and helps the locker room and helps the team and gives Aaron Rodgers the feeling that he supposedly did not have power, the ability to have a say. And lo and behold, in his little more than half-hour press conference, the two words that describe Aaron Rodgers' performance in that press conference are star witness, because that's exactly what he was. Whether it was a testimonial, whether it was in response to questions from various reporters, he nailed it throughout. He told you why he was upset. He told you what he was looking for. He told you why he's entitled to it. He literally told you, I'm different. I'm great. I'm unique. I've been here long enough that I'm one of the guys, and there have been others, who have earned this. I'm not just one of the guys. I'm a special guy. And special guys, extraordinary guys, should have some input, should have some say, should be looked to not to make decisions, but to contribute in those decisions. Whether it's wide receivers, whether it's decision-making on how they're playing, how they can contribute, whether or not they should be kept or not, how they affect the team in the locker room on the practice field, which we're told is incredibly important. Besides just how they play on the field on Sundays, Aaron Rodgers wants to feel like he has input in what the Packers do with respect to what goes in that locker room, what goes on that practice field, and what goes on that field on Sundays. He doesn't want to be just another player because he simply is not. This is not him being selected as Brett Favre's heir apparent. Remember, Aaron Rodgers was thought by most to be the best quarterback in that draft. He slipped all the way down to the point where the Packers had to take him because passing on him would just be negligence, malpractice. And he waited his turn and took over Brett Favre and has become a Hall of Famer. The Packers could have taken Love two rounds later, late second round, Worst case scenario, he would have been there. He wasn't even given any any possibility of being a first round pick. There was no need to take him there. That's what pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Not the fact they took his zero parent in the second round or the third round, but they took a guy they could have taken that in the first round, where they could have helped the team much more by taking a more necessary player that could have 
had instant impact. Instead, a guy's not going to play for three years. And he wasn't consulted. And he's pissed. Should be pissed. Why? Because you took a guy who can't help you for what could be the last few years of my career here. Why can't he help us? Because he's not going to play. Ever. Ever. As long as I'm here, he don't contribute. He don't play. He doesn't catch passes. He doesn't block. He doesn't run the ball. He doesn't rush the passer. He doesn't tackle anybody. He doesn't cover anybody. Christ, he doesn't even kick field balls. He does nothing. Zero. So in the last couple of years of my contract and potentially my career as a Packer, that's what you did with the first-round pick. And, oh, by the way, he plays my position. To boot. What are you thinking? You literally wasted a vital opportunity for a commodity. Could have drafted anybody who could play instantly. And trade for better trade trade something. Use the capital. Nothing. Zero. An embarrassment. Not even consulted. Other quarterbacks are consulted. Tom Brady's consulted. Mr. Brown couldn't get a job anywhere. Tom Brady got him a job in Tampa, scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Everybody who scored the touchdowns for Tampa was brought in. Gronk? Oh, by the way, who brought him in? Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. The times of the old report are gone. Quarterbacks just don't make 250 k and be one of the guys. It's not that way anymore. They're treated special. They're treated different. Can't touch them. Can't rough them. Can't knock them down the way you used to. Can't hit them with your helmet. Can't push them hard to the ground. Can't land on them. Can't do any of that. Can't do it to anybody else. Can't do it to them. Can't land on them. It's gracious. You want to land on them with your body weight? Good God. Not in football. Maybe Olympic wrestling. Maybe the WWE. Can't land on them in the NFL. Can't do that. Got to protect them. Making way too much money. So if that's the case, why aren't you going to them for input? Why aren't you asking them, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Now, I got in this discussion with Mike Meltzer last night who compared it to James Harden. And I was like, no disrespect, but what, what, are you kidding? First of all, one guy has got a lot more equity than the other guy. One guy's won Super Bowls, gone to NFC championships. This other guy ain't gone anywhere. And even though he's playing hurt, last possession of the last possession of the season, he threw the ball over to Ken, over to KD, got out of the way. And it's so much different whether it's LeBron or anybody else. You're talking about having decision making process on a team that's got 12 guys, half a dozen of which play. You make a decision there, personnel wise, that's a big mistake, and it is a massive potentially mistake. NFL's got 50 plus guys on their roster. Do you think he's going to go out and handpick every guy? You allow one of your players to do it in the NBA, he is picking. This is always going to be a guy who's going to be a player. So he's picking you know, 20% of, of the team. It was just one guy. One guy in the NFL, NFL team is 2% of the team. It's a vast, vast, vast difference. Not even close. And he's not going to have the kind of input that LeBron has. It's just not going to happen because there's too much personnel decisions that have to be made. So you cannot even begin to compare the two. 
And if you were, Aaron Rodgers is far more entitled to have the input in decision-making than a James Harden. One guy's earned it. The other guy hasn't earned shit. Because all he ever does when crunch time comes around is get small or get hurt. The other guy wins game after game after game after game, goes to NFC championships. Granted, he loses more than he won. But as he gets there, and he also basically said to you, look, you think people want to come here for the weather? People want to come here to play with me. Why shouldn't I have some decision-making? That was a great line. He killed it. Not only was it on point, it was entertaining. It was eloquent. He didn't miss a beat. Not a beat. Oh, oh the question's come, why now? Where's this been? Why now? Because he has the opportunity now. Now is his chance. Now was his opportunity to grab for the power and got sick and tired of being passed over in the decision-making process, not consulted, not considered. Said he's happy he's got his coach. Says he loves his coach. Had not one nary an input. Not at all. Wasn't even run by him. It's worked out. Worked out great. He's happy. That's not a problem. But I'm not consulted on anything. Wouldn't you want to be consulted if you were the backbone of the team, the stalwart of the team, a Hall of Famer to be, and a guy who's been in that city for your entire career and played for that franchise for your entire career? Wouldn't you want to have some input? Even just a heads up. Don't you think you're entitled to it? You're the new report. You tell me. Have not times changed? When now the players have some say in what's going on, and shouldn't they? I experienced this firsthand with the Denver Broncos and bringing in Peyton Manning. John Elway basically rolled out the red carpet for the entire franchise and said, hey, man, whatever you need is yours. And he put up some of the most historic seasons that he's had along with winning a Super Bowl. You think that Peyton Manning is sitting in the huddle during the game completely listening to what the offensive coordinator or head coach are saying when they're putting in the plays or telling them the personnel or how things should go, he's going to take it into consideration. But when it comes down to throwing it or running it, etc., you think Peyton's going to side with Adam Gase? Or do you think Peyton's going to go with himself en route to 50 touchdowns? Now, I know it's not easy, to give one player in the NFL everything to roll out that red carpet as we're talking about. But that's what's happening, man, especially at the quarterback position. I shouldn't say especially. It's at the quarterback position because you know what? Despite there only being 32 teams, there's not 32 men in the National Football League that can be above average quarterbacks. There's just not. Surprisingly enough, considering there's 300 plus colleges that these dudes are coming from, you think you'd be able to find 32 of them that could throw a spiral successfully in the National Football League. It just doesn't happen. There's only a handful at best of elites. And if you have one, unfortunately, you have to coddle to their needs because the other side of the coin is not having that quarterback and relying on some scrub or some backup to run your team to a six-win season. 
you have Aaron freaking Rodgers as your quarterback. And I don't know if it's not because they don't have an owner, as we know. For the Packers to have watched this have already unfolded once before in their franchise's history when the guy that's the quarterback now was in the Jordan Love position and the future Hall of Fame quarterback was cranky with his positioning in the team. Why are we letting that history for the Green Bay Packers repeat itself and not because the, of Jordan Love? Let's win the let's win the Super Bowl. Repeat because itself. of Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Who? It's still who? He's been in the league for what three years? We still don't know anything about him. The guys covering the Packers still don't know anything about him. This was the guy. It was an incredible head scratcher for years and to no surprise Aaron Rodgers had enough but as you said what did we really gain from this for all different facets so Aaron Rodgers now as it stands is basically playing a one year as they're saying it for whatever reason last dance a one year see how it goes best case scenario the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl. He's happy. He agrees to stay if they still keep him in consideration when moves are going to be made. Not best case scenario is they don't win the Super Bowl. And he says, well, I couldn't do it this year. That's it. For real this time. And now that the Packers have gotten rid of next year's contract, he's able to go where he pleases after this season. If you're going to be a betting man, I would say that's more likely than not going to be what happens. They make the postseason. They get to the second or third round. Let's say they get to the NFC championship game. They lose again. Now what? You would think based on what we've seen, that's it, right? He's gone. So where did we really get in all of this? We're just prolonging him leaving for one more year. We'll see. But if you're the Packers... Life is a lot better having Aaron Rodgers back as your quarterback than the alternative. I think the curious part is going to see is to see what the fan reaction is going to be in Green Bay, because and, and in you know, the state as a whole, because there's a new hero in town. Not so new that he hasn't been a hero, two-time MVP, but have the Bucks taken over the state? Is Giannis? the new toast of the state of Wisconsin. Let's just say, Al. Because remember, folks, Green Bay's in Wisconsin, in case you didn't know. It's a good thing they had their parade last week. Let's just say that. Because if they had held it, say, on this upcoming Friday, after all this Aaron Rodgers stuff happened, I don't know if you're getting as many people to come out. They're on to football season already. We got our boy Aaron Rodgers back. To me... The Packers' schedule, although it looks really tough on paper, there are some real question marks in terms of the validity of the teams that they're playing because of, ironically, that quarterback spot, which is the spot that they've got locked up. They go into almost every game with a huge advantage to the most important position in the field. And Randall Cobb. Where's back? The fever. Back. The security blanket. He's back. He's back. He's back. After an uninspiring term in Dallas, he returns to my game. <laughs> Dude, oh, I'm totally right. 
Revel would have a problem. Yeah. Revel shouldn't have a problem coming back to Green Bay. What's Jordy doing? You're telling me he can't run a quick slant on third Greg down? Jennings still, Greg Jennings still in shape? Bring the whole band back together, man. Quick slant route into the middle. Jordy Nelson, he could still do James that. Jones? The angular James Jones? But him. Eddie Lacy, can he still run? <laughs> Gets it done with a knife and fork, that's for sure. Oh, I think they're going to be better than some of these people think. Yeah, I really do. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I wanted to stay with football quickly because in college football, which is starting to get into the realm of nobody circles the wagons quite like the NCAA, although their decisions that are being put forth and getting some people excited aren't going to happen for four more years. But they're still talking points because, again, college football is a close second to circling the wagons as the news of sports. It's disturbing. It's disturbing to me. I just see no need for this. I don't understand. I have money, of course. But you know, if, if you're Oklahoma and Tennessee, excuse me, Oklahoma and Texas, and they're going to expand eventually the college playoff to 12 teams, why would you want to go to the SEC where your chances of making it are even less because you're playing against all those teams that can make it more difficult for you to get in the playoff. Right. Whereas if you stay in the Big 12, you have a much better chance of winning your conference and getting one of those automatic bids, and the runner-up in the Big 12 will have a very good chance to go to the playoff of 12. Don't get it. Don't understand it. I like the idea of conference loyalty. I like the idea of a true champion. You play everybody in your conference. That's what a conference is all about. Help me out of my geography. Did the West Coast break off? So I, I, I don't like it. And it's not the old report. It's not the get off my lawn deal. It's it. you know, what, what do we just morph into one conference? I don't understand the purpose of a 16-team conference. It's unwieldy. You can't play nearly everybody. You got to have rotating years when you play guys. You break up another conference and the validity of it. And what does that do to the Big 12's participation in the playoff? Because they're going to get an automatic bid, and now it's going to be potentially a lesser team. So what good does that do anybody? It waters down the playoff. Because you have a team from an automatic bid, you know, automatic bid from a conference that isn't nearly going to be as good because two of its best teams and programs are gone. Makes no sense at all. None. It's nonsensical. It's bad for college football. I don't like it. And I just don't understand what the teams see in it. I don't understand what, from a competitive standpoint, how they're benefiting. Money, of course, rules all. You'll make more money. But you're really telling me that Texas and Oklahoma need that extra money, need the extra money, where in the meantime, the equation, in my mind, has them losing money because it lessens the chance that they're going to go to the playoff. 
and go far in the playoff. Because you, when you're in with Alabama and you're in with LSU and you're in Georgia, just to name a few, and oh, by the way, Texas A&M, that's four right there. You're the fourth best team in the SEC at best. Forget about at the best, fourth best in college best. football. So A, how do you get a bid? And B, you know, if you get a bid, what are your chances? Because you're not going to be a great seed. Whereas if you sit tight, you're at the top of that conference every year, and you potentially both could go. Nonsensical. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Your goal is to get to the highest level. What's your greatest opportunity of doing that? Going to the SEC and going eight and four. And that's not because I'm saying you're a cherry pick. You want to send a conference that sucks. You're, good. you're still in good, the big 12 good conference. It's much maligned. But it's a good, solid football conference. There's good teams. I know it's not the SEC, and it's probably not the, it's not the Big Ten either. But the point is, it's a potentially vastly overrated decision in terms of the benefits, and I think a regrettable decision that they're making. Because if you look at it in the long run, if you look at the big picture, if you look at what the goal is, they have a better chance to participate in the playoff and a better chance to compete for a championship if they stay where they are in a very good conference versus going to the best conference and lessening their opportunity to grab for the brass ring. And they don't want to. Like fans of the SEC weren't throwing celebration parties that they're bringing in Oklahoma and Texas. They're good, man. They're more than good. You think Florida fans are excited that Texas is coming to town? Do you think Georgia fans really give a shit that Oklahoma's coming to town? They're all well and good where they stand. Even the teams at the bottom of the league don't want you. Forget about what the commissioner says. Fans are confused as to why. We don't need these guys. We're fine. Too much. Too many mouths to feed. We're perfectly fine without them. And yet, money talks. It's amazing how much the money has started talking in this sport. And let's be real. They say 2025. We've had things come out every day this week, either from Texas, Oklahoma, the Big 12, the SEC. They'll be in the SEC by 2023. At least they'll swallow whatever money they got to spend and they'll be in. You think they're going to wait the four years, please? We'll be lucky if college football playoff waits the four years to expand the 12. The Big 12 will extract from them massive amounts of money. To make up for the losses they will try to make up for the losses they will suffer. And then they will go because they have to grab a couple teams from fill in the blank. The AAC, Mountain West, Cincinnati, BYU. Here was me growing up naive, Al, that college sports were decided and conferences were decided based on where they were located in the country. Because that's how we went to school. You had school districts based on where you were in the state. Here's me thinking that based on where you're located, that's where you're going to be put into a conference. 10 teams in the Big Ten, 12 teams in the Big 12, or 12 teams in the Pac-12, Pac-10, as it were. Pac-8 for the old report. Big 8 for the old Right, and that's just how it was. Where you were located was where you played sports, and that was it. There was no change in, like, oh, I'd rather play here. There's more money there. No, too bad. Where you're located is where you play sports. 
As you grow older, you realize that is not the case. There's a ballpark for most conferences, but that is not the case for all conferences. Where you're located does not always matter. And we are clearly not seeing now. that now, and it's only going to get worse. And I'm not being hypocritical. As a class of prom, class of 80 Syracuse graduate, I didn't want to go to the ACC. That was all about football. That was a football decision because the Big East was, was breaking up from a football perspective. And there was nowhere to go for the football team. And football is the greatest revenue-producing sport. Jim Bayham didn't want to leave the Big East. Had no choice. And hey, it's nice to have you all in the ACC, but I mean, if you like college hoops just an iota, there's always going to be a spot for the OG Big East. That was basketball. Over here, at least. That was basketball. And they were just like, the East forget it. Give me the Big East tournament. Yeah. Give me the Big East tournament in the garden. Pour it Syracuse, into my veins. Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, Providence, Utah, Boston College. Just rolls on and Seton Hall. On and on and on. Scalpin tickets. Philadelphia. Going ballistic. Four games. Three games. Two games. One game. Thursday. Friday. Saturday. Back in the days with originally, the good old days, the Big East Championship was on Sunday uh, before they moved it back to Saturday. The semis were Saturday. Oh, what a glorious day that was. Oh, hey, Saturday was just, oh. The Saturday semis, oh, it was just a full beauty. A full house. Screaming fans going ballistic, absolutely nuts. Scalping tickets anywhere you can find them. on the train ride in, on the subway. Family walking up saying, "I got two extra tickets." Every once in a while, you strike gold. You know, my kids got sick. Boom, two great tickets. We got them all different suits. Three blocks away, ten blocks away, twenty blocks away. We found ways. That was an adventure. It was a journey. It was fanaticism. It was beautiful. You finished that tournament as a fan with no voice. No voice. The garden was electric. Absolutely electric. Fans dressed in all their gala colors from all the schools. Going nuts. The coaches, the players. It was just never be anything like it in terms of college basketball. That was the greatest postseason tournament, I subjectively say, uh, it was bitterly fought. It was hard-nosed, blood-guts basketball. It was athleticism. It was speed. It was power. It was grace. It was great coaches. It was great players. And it was war. Teams who simply did not like each other. Syracuse, Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova. Uh, UConn, Syracuse, UConn, Georgetown, UConn, uh, these battles, All-Star, NBA future, NBA All-Americans, NCAA champions, NBA champions, NBA Hall of Famers, just, ah, I was there for the very beginning. My senior year at Syracuse was the first year of the Big East. You lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament? And if you won the Big East tournament before that, didn't make a difference. I mean, it's too bad we lost, but hey, we won the Big East tournament. That sometimes was more important 
and sometimes even more impressive a win than getting the bump in the NCAA tournament. But money talks. Get rid of the traditions. Get rid of the rivalries. Get rid of the fun. As long as that bottom dollar is where it needs to be. Everybody saw what happened last year and all that money that went away. Billions of dollars in sports. How are we going to fix that? We're moving like crazy. First chance we get. And we're already having two teams leave the Big 12 for the SEC. Quickly to MLB, I don't know if you have any thoughts on some of these quote-unquote blockbusters that went down. One being the Los Angeles Dodgers becoming the new home of one two-colored-eyed Max Scherzer and star shortstop Trey Turner for a quote... Desperately wanted on the Cardinals. Underrated player in Major League Baseball. Massive prospect hall is headed to L.A. But one of them is not Gavin Lux. Yeah. They're young second baseman, so it makes you wonder what are they going to do when Corey Seager comes back. Anthony Rizzo to the New York Yankees. Kyle Schwarber, his former teammate, to the Boston Red Sox. Joey Gallo from the Rangers to the Yankees. Yankees acting like it's the 2000s, Al. I'm not quite sure if they realize that. Can these guys also pitch out of the bullpen? It's an interesting question to pose. It's nice that they're getting lefty bats in the Yankees lineup, which plays in one of the most friendly lefty ballparks, rolling out right-handed one through nine lineups for most of the season, like fools. And then Brett Gardner, (laughs) your lone lefty. So at least it's nice to see them do something and not get rid of uh, prospects that are batting anyone's eye, really. They're keeping the guys in the top 10 for the most part. Anything jump out to you that's going to really change anyone's fate in either league, especially? Well, I, I think you know, what Andrew Friedman has done is He's had to deal from the bottom of the barrel money-wise in Tampa, and now that he's the Dodger boss, he takes advantage of his plethora of prospects and his payroll. Remember, the payroll is going to drop drastically next year. Max Scherzer is a free agent to be, so they're not taking on a huge amount of money for the future, just for the balance of the season. The question would be with Trey Turner. What is the the plan with Trey Turner? He's got one year left on his contract. Um... They have Gavin Lux, their prize prospect, second baseman, who they capped, Corey Seager, their star shortstop, left-handed bat, who is going to be a free agent. Uh, and they still have Turner at third base, who they resigned to, I think, a two-year deal. So I think two years. If it's three years, it's, it really makes it interesting. We'll even look that up while we finish it. The point is, uh, does that mean that Corey Seager walks? Very interesting. Uh, obviously, now the Dodgers wants to become the favorite. And remember, they also picked up a, a guy who I, for years, had a man crush on. Because my Cardinals were always short on left-handed starting pitching. I've always liked uh, the Royal for Life, a Royal, a Royal for Lifetime, Danny Duffy, who also went to the Dodgers today. Uh, currently on the IL, but he'll be off in time for the stretch run. So they've clearly strengthened the rotation that. Uh, is missing uh, right now Clayton Kershaw and will miss forever the uh, soon-to-be hopefully incarcerated war criminal. Uh, I wouldn't even mention his name, who was uh, 
on leave and none of his teammates want him back uh, because we're still waiting to find out if there's going to be a criminal prosecution uh, against their prize $45 million free agent right-hander, Trevor Bauer, we have to mention his name, uh, who is out until at least August, I believe end of the first week in August, on leave because of the domestic violence allegations and potential charges, which are still out there and formal charges have not been filed. Dodger Locker says they don't want him back. They go out and they get Mad Max. They go out and they get Danny Duffy. Uh, that cures some of their starting pitching issues. I don't know if they picked up any bullpen pieces today or tomorrow. It remains to be seen. Uh, so your Yankees have gotten better. My, the Dodgers have gotten better. The Red Sox have gotten better. Uh, the A's have gotten better. The Rays have gotten better. Hey, the Cardinals did come. What a surprise. You know, Bob Barker used to say, have your pets spayed and neutered. What we'll tell you on new report, old report, keep NBC on and support your Olympians. Sal and I all about the majority of the events going on, especially the swimming, screaming at the TV like fools. Support your Olympians, folks. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. The men 4x100 relay, keep it at home where the gold belongs. Folks, for the big man, the great John Tiny Lund, yours truly, Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains, the new report, the old report. Enjoy the Olympics. Enjoy the rest of the trade deadline. Enjoy your draft picks. Enjoy the newly minted Laker. Future Hall of Famer, Mr. Triple Double, Russell Westbrook comes home. Have a great and safe sports weekend, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.